Welcome in to the Brett Baseball Report California podcast. We have a big show today where we're going to recap the 50th Fresno Easter Classic. Ryan Ozell, our NorCal area scout, will join me to give us his thoughts on what he saw at the tournament before NorCal scouting director Blaine Clemens joins us to give us his thoughts. Blaine and I sat together on a couple of games, so this one ought to get interesting. Baseball Report Podcast. I'm pleased to be joined by Ryan Ozell, our NorCal Area Scout. Ryan uh, joined Blaine and I up in Fresno last week as we covered the Fresno Easter Classic. Ryan, thanks for joining us. It was a busy, busy week, and then you turned around and started off your week uh, this week pretty busily as well with some games. Uh, You know, how how are you managing to catch up with all of this stuff? Uh, just a lot of work, man. It's one of those ones. It's nonstop. Uh, you're right. It was a lot of games last week. Uh, I think I got altogether 13 of them in three days, 14 of them in three days uh, in Fresno, and then uh, another two yesterday, another two today, and then continuing the rest of this week. So yeah, I've been busy, busy, staying busy with it all. Yeah, nice. So, so let's talk about the Fresno trip. Obviously, the Easter Classic in its 50th year. Uh, just a really fun event for us. They had us there at the coaches' dinner. Uh, which was really nice. But let's dive into some of the games. Uh, you know, as you said, 13 or 14 games there in three days. Let's talk about some of the first day games you, you got out to. Uh, you know, you saw uh, Stockdale Buchanan, which was a really good game there to close things out. And uh, you obviously saw Hanford and Red Bluff. But, you know, take us through some of the games you saw uh, and maybe some of the players that you saw that stood out in those games. Yeah, the first day I uh, started at Clovis North, Clovis North Edison. Uh, Clovis North jumped out early, got some offense going, um, and kind of realized that you know they got four other games to play, three other games to play, so they kind of switched up the lineup and got all, everyone else out. Um, their starter, Ryan uh, O'Hara, um, was really good for them, complete game, five innings. Um, he was 82-85, touched up a little bit higher, 87-88 early. Um, he was pretty good for them. Uh, the second game I got to was Garces and Bell Vista, and for Bell Vista, the Forrester brothers, um, Garrett is at third base, and Brandon, who's the second baseman shortstop, um, both were really good there. Um, Garrett's a little bit of a bigger body, more power, um, third base type with a good arm, um, and then Brandon's more of a middle infielder build that's a little bit leaner, faster, um, real compact, quick bat. Um, those couple guys stood out there. Uh, let's see, the third game I got to was... Uh, I think I switched up and went over and saw Buha Colony and um, whoever they played, and I saw Sapien with you. Um, Sapien was, you know, really fantastic, 84, 86, touching 89 early. Um, kind of realized he didn't need the big fastball and stuck it down in the 84, 86 range, uh, spotting it up. Um, five inning, no hits, um, two walks. You know, that was a that was a really impressive start for him. Got to see a really nice slider out of it, late bite. Um, so those were the first three games. And like you said, the last one, Stockdale Buchanan was a great game. Uh, Stockdale had Buchanan on the ropes the entire way. Brady Hormel hit a big bomb at the end of the game to win it for them. Uh, Miguel Ortiz hit a little chopper, beat out four one five down the line, really flew. Um, those couple guys really stood out there for that game as well. Yeah, you talked about the Forrester brothers. I saw them the next day over at Fresno City. And, you know, you, you've got uh, the younger one, Brandon, uh, leading off there and you know gets a base hit, then he has kind of an awkward slide over at second. Uh, it looked like he jammed his shoulder, but he was okay. 
you know, and then here comes Garrett Borster and just absolutely launches a missile over the left field wall. And I mean, that bat could that that bat uh, for uh, Garrett Borster could really uh, cause some damage there uh, up at Oregon State where he's committed. You know, you talked about Sapien, man, what a treat he was for us. I mean, he was really, really good uh, that that day when we saw him. Uh, and then Hormel, to me, was one of the guys, Ryan, who every time we saw Buchanan and between the three of us, we saw them a bunch. Uh, he just was one of one of the better players in the entire tournament, in my opinion. I mean, he seemed Absolutely. to hit. He seemed to hit every single time up and then defensively made some plays that were just absurd. Yeah, I mean, I saw him in two games, and I think he had four hits in those two games. Um, you know, runs well, mashes from the right, uh, mashes balls to the right side of the field. Um, like you said, the defense was really, really good. Solid defender, good arm. Um, he was one of those guys again that, for me that was a standout from the entire tournament. I saw them the opening game of the tournament uh, as Isaac Aon took the bump for Buchanan and Hormel made a play on the second base side of the bag that I think I told you about that night later. I think uh, it, it was just it was crazy. His range to the left was unbelievable. His ball was not it was it wasn't a little dribbler. It wasn't a little slow roller, but you know it wasn't a laser, obviously. But uh, he made that play and was really 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 eye opening uh, to me. Because obviously we knew about his defensive skill set, uh, and we obviously knew about his bat as well. Uh, but that particular play just showed uh, a, uh, kind of a depth of range that I, I didn't anticipate seeing from him. So let's move on to the next day. There was a really busy day again uh, with another four four games. Uh, you know, what would you get out to see there, and, and, and what stood out to you? In the, yeah, the uh, first one I saw was uh, Oakmont and Garces. Uh, Oakmont has two players, TJ Nichols, a shortstop, who's a Sac State commit. Um, and Carson Blatnick, a catcher who's a Washington State commit, um, who both really showed well. TJ Nichols, man, that guy can really swing the bat. Um, gap to gap type of bat, pulled a double down the line, showed off his speed, 4 4 around the uh, bag to get into second base and set up a, a tying run in a game where they were down. Um, again, another guy who defensively just really showed his range and his skills. He made a play over in left field uh, on the foul territory. He covered a lot of range. He was close to the bag and, and got to a foul ball pop-up um, behind the third baseman, um, ready to throw ready to second base with a guy on first base. So he was a big standout there. And then Carson Blatnick behind the plate, man, his catching skills were really, really good. Um, arm was constantly on the bag, back picking behind guys. He picked a guy off at first base on a quick throw, um, really trusts his arm, really trusts his catching skills. Um, those two really stood out in that game. The second one I jumped over to was uh, Sunnyside and Jesuit to get a catch at uh, Kevin Haynes for Jesuit. Um, he was another pitcher who was really good for me, 83, 85. Um, touching a little bit higher early on. I only got a couple innings and then I bounced over. Um, man, I forget now where I was exactly, but I met into another game. Um, but I can't remember which one that was. Um, after that, I went over and saw a placer in Stockdale and got a chance to see uh, 2021 Aaron Anson Eros, uh, a catcher shortstop who he was another catcher who was really good, trusts his arm as well, athletic, really good moving behind the plate. Um, one of the best glove hands I've seen from that 21 class, uh, being able to really frame the ball and put it where it needs to be. Um, and then the last game I went over to was Consumus Oaks and Buchanan. Um, and like we talked about with Buchanan, they swing it really well. Um, Consumus Oaks had a uh, shortstop Elvin Delic, 21, who can really play up the middle, um, kind of plays with a hair on fire type of attitude, running all over the place. Um, and then their catcher, 21, John Sheehan, who can really throw as well, um, kind of shutting down a lot of the run game for Buchanan. 
Yeah, just so you know, that one o'clock game, you came over to Clovis East with me and saw That's Redwood right. against San Joaquin Memorial. You, you know, you, 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 you know, you're going to too many games when you're having a tough time remembering where where exactly you are. <laughs> uh, but that such is the nature of uh, tournament week. But yeah, you know, at that game, we we were we were in for um, a treat there at that Redwood San Joaquin Memorial game, uh, as both of those teams have some talented talented players on the roster. For me, that you know, Mikey Bell from San Joaquin Memorial uh, was one of those guys that that it fits that bill of. Uh, he's going to be a high-profile recruit here. He's a 2022 starting shortstop, uh, made a play to the backhand where uh, he initiated a double play ball that was just really, really uh, something else that, that stood out. But uh, you talked about T.J. Nichols. Uh, Blaine and I talk about him, uh, uh, or pardon me, saw him uh, come in uh, in relief against Buchanan, uh, and he was really good there. Uh, and I know that Blaine uh, is planning on, on chatting about him. Uh, but he was one of those players to me that, you know, hadn't seen him, uh, you know, had heard of him, obviously, just from talking with Blaine and, and everybody else uh, in that area. And, and he's a kid that, uh, man, he's going to have an opportunity, Ryan, to, um, uh, you know, potentially be a draft pick next year because his abilities defensively, uh, at the, you know, on the mound and uh, uh, at the plate, you know, when you package those three areas together, uh, he's a guy that, that can really, really play baseball. Absolutely, yeah. He's a complete player. Um, like you said, the bat, the arm, the defensive skills, just an overall athlete. Um, runs really well. Uh, and I agree 100% with you. He's a guy that for the draft next year, the name should be read, uh, recognized and be ready to talk about. Yeah, then, you know, the last day was kind of a, you know, an interesting day. It gave us an opportunity to go bounce around and, and, and see a couple of different, uh, you know, particular plus specific players, I should say, that we were uh, hoping to kind of circle back with. What you see there? Uh, and, you know, then we could talk about the championship game that night. Yeah. So I headed over, I headed over to Madeira um, and I hadn't been to that ballpark and, you know, fits right with all those other track ballparks, a similar setup. Um, and the first game I got was uh, Madeira and Foothill. Um, Jackson Torsey for Foothill was 83-85 on the mound for them. Uh, Madeira had a little shortstop. Um, I'm forgetting his name right now, trying to find it. Um, but he was a good little player for them as well. Um, and then the second game I got was Consumus Oaks and Red Bluff. And that game um, got to see Cameron Walty, a right-hand pitcher, 2020, um, who really impressed me, throw three pitches. 84-86, uh, touched 88 early. Um, he only went three innings, kind of a kind of a bullpen day, about 50, 60 pitches. Um, it was really good with the three pitches, though, really dominant. Um, not, I think one hit the entire um, day, six, seven strikeouts. Um, change was really late dive in slider with some late bite. Um, you know, Blaine had mentioned his name to us earlier this week and he kind of said, Hey, he's a Jake Peavy lookalike. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. And then when I got there, that's exactly what it looked like. It was a young Jake Peavy, long lean body, loose whippy arm. Uh, he's a guy that really impressed me and a guy that can be an MLG, uh, MLB draft guy next year as well. Yeah, I was really excited that one of us was able to get over to see him because Blaine had been singing his praises for for quite some time to both of us, and so uh, I'm glad you were able to to get over and see him and 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 you know have that positive report on him. And you know we uh, we we all kind of can reconvened after a good little barbecue dinner there and and headed over to the championship game uh, where we saw Buhack Colony 
uh, and Alex Kendrick, who is a guy that uh, Blaine talked about as you know being his kind of his his standout, his MVP, if you will, uh, given his performance there in the championship game. But uh, you know, what you see in you know from anyone else there in the championship game, uh, and then uh, why don't you drop on us, Ryan? Who is the guy, the one dude? who uh, you know maybe you had seen before or hadn't seen in a while uh, that you were uh, that was kind of the guy for you kind of your MVP if you will sure yeah I mean from that game uh, Darian Miller the catcher for Clovis you know you two had seen him a couple times and you know praised how good his defensive skills were uh, and those were definitely on display he was you know a wall back there not letting anything get by him um, loose easy arm real athletic body um, the swing was really nice from the left side being able to stick to that uh, middle of the field approach uh, I don't think he actually got a hit in that game but he squared up a couple of balls um, right on the nose right at people um, he was the guy that really impressed in that game um, and then for me, I think TJ Nichols was the guy that really was the standout for me all weekend. Um, you know, when I get to when I get to the game on the second day after you saw him the first day and after Blaine saw him the first day, it's one of those ones when other everyone else is saying, hey, this guy's a good player. You kind of keep an eye on out on it. But uh, man, was he above and beyond what everyone was even saying. It was one of those ones to me, the swings, the type of swing that's going to be a middle of the order type of bat sticking in at the shortstop position. Um, you know, if he wants to, you can be a two way player if he gets a sack state. But like we've talked about, he's an MLB draft guy that might not even make it there with the skills that he's been putting on this week. Yeah, the he he showed he showed very, very, very well for himself. Uh you know, there's no question there. And like I said, we saw him on the mound uh and that might be where his future is because uh he was really really good there. Uh so let's shift gears, Ryan. Uh, you talked about a couple games yesterday, a couple games today. Uh what's going on up in your neck of the woods? Sounds like you got a little tournament. Uh you got a little treat. You get to see a, a big draft pitcher from SoCal coming up today. Yeah, so St. Francis is holding their Elite 8 tournament right now. Um eight ter- eight teams going to have two more games today after seeing two yesterday. Um, like you said, Joey Estes from Paraclete tonight against St. Francis under the lights is going to be a good one. Uh, make sure my radar gun's nice and charged up for that one. I'm ready to see a lot of uh, good talent from that. Uh, then tomorrow I'm going over to see San Benito and Monterey. San Benito and Monterey in the Pacific Coast League are battling it out for the title. Uh, San Benito is a really loaded, deep team uh, with a couple of guys in uh, Burley, their catcher, and Brown, their shortstop, who are both pretty good, talented players. Um, so that's a group that I'm really excited to see. And then Friday, uh, still not sure on where I'm going to get to yet, but I got another game on Friday and Saturday as well. So staying busy all week. Awesome. Well, Ryan, appreciate you making some time to come on and, and chat a little bit about the Fresno Easter Classic and a little preview uh, of your upcoming days. And so uh, appreciate you doing that. Always, Les. Thanks, man. All right, man. We'll talk real soon. See ya. We'll be right back with NorCal Scouting Director Blaine Clements. Welcome back. Pleased to be joined by NorCal Scouting Director Blaine Clemens. Blaine, busy week for us last week. You particularly drove all over what seems God's green earth, but instead it's just NorCal uh, to get to and from the Fresno Easter Classic. Uh, how you holding up? Uh, things caught up to you? You had a chance to digest everything you saw? Yeah, we've had a chance to digest, held up all right. Road weary is just a normal thing, no big deal. If you're in the baseball business, you understand you got to put some miles on the tires and uh, listen to some 
some KNBR 680 and people bellyache about the Giants. So uh, and I'm a Cubs fan, so I like listening to people bellyache about the Giants. So all good. Nice, nice. So the 50th Fresno Easter Classic saw, obviously, myself, you, uh, and Ryan all converge on Fresno, as we talked about. And, you know, really neat event, right? Kicked off with the coaches' dinner there on Sunday night that we were invited to. And just really neat to see some, for you, some some old faces and some familiar faces, uh, you know, and for me to, uh, you know, kind of get to meet some new people as well. Just a really neat event, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, Fresno is a unique uh, community. You know, I, I'm from, I'm from the Midwest. I'm from the middle of the country and I've been in Fresno a number of times in my different uh, career capacities in baseball, whether it was a, a college coach or a junior college coach. I think the first time I was ever down there was I was at Solano college when we played Fresno city in a two or three game series back in 2000, I think it was. And then I was down there as a USF coach playing the, the bulldogs. And then of course as an area scout, you know, that area, doing that work and it, it's a big city but it's yet it's a town and there's a lot of loyalty and there's a lot of pride and the competition between the schools both small and large private and and in the big conference um they have a lot of fun with it uh they take it serious but they understand it's it's really it's it's just comp, it's good competition it's healthy competition and we we worked hard to to get to know um a number of the coaches and people in the community there and they've you know they've they've welcomed us uh and made us feel uh, part of their their community there so it was the coach's dinner was great to sit and, and, and meet some people we've either emailed or talked to on the phone, um, put, a, put a face to a voice and shake a few hands and have a few laughs, uh, and then run into them at the ballparks. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was just a fun environment to be in. Uh, obviously, we're working hard doing the job, um, but building the relationships is uh, a huge part of what we're, what we're doing here, so, which can only benefit the kids. Yeah, you talked about the, you know, working hard, doing the job, and it's these kinds of settings, man. I mean, they can really kind of get you going, right? I mean, especially when it's just, you know, one week and you're not doing this on back-to-back-to-back-to-back weeks, you know, so to speak. Uh, But when you're getting to four games a day for a few days, I mean, that really gets the juices flowing. I know that Monday morning driving to the field, I was pretty amped up. Uh, you, you know, and then you get a kind of a big game right out of the gate, at least for me there on Monday morning. That was that was a lot of fun. Just the tournament as a whole, I think we went in understanding some of the talent level, uh, but came, came out with a whole new appreciation for uh, a lot of players, right? That, I mean, players that maybe we had seen once or twice or heard of and not seen uh, that we finally uh, had a chance to see. I mean, the talent level for me was 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 really, really good. Uh, it was really high. I mean, I think we listed somewhere in about the mid to, mid to upper 50s in terms of when we kind of really broke down some of the the better players that we saw at the tournament. I mean, that's for, for 34 teams, you know, that's a good ratio, right? I mean, 55, oh, yeah. 60, 55 or 60 uh, uh, kids uh, that, that, you know, we put as all, all three of us put as our follow list. So, you know, that, that that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think we were actually, and I feel like we even pared it down just to stick to guys that we, we truly believed and felt were mm-hmm. in the prospect nature. And when we're talking about prospects, we're meaning like, you know, they, they didn't just have a good game. We saw some tools. We saw some performance. We saw a combination of both. Um, you know, there's another number of other players that we're watching that we're just appreciating them as baseball players. They may not get their name in that list in terms of the prospect, but um, they're still good baseball players nonetheless. 
Yeah, the, and there was plenty of those, right? Plenty of plenty of really good baseball players. So let's jump into the the tournament. You know, as we talked about a little bit, it was you know thirty four games uh, over three days. Uh, there were several different locations, six or seven different facilities uh, that were used. You know, I, I kicked things off right out of the right out of the gate and, and went over to and saw Buchanan. Uh, a team we have in the top ten in the Power Twenty Five, and Cheater. You know, I, <laughs> Isaac Isaac Aon uh, was for me was was really good. I know you had seen him before. Uh, you know he was mid to upper eighties. There's a little effort in there, I think, uh, but he he was pretty good for Buchanan. Um, you know he he kind of you know lands in line and repeats his delivery. Uh, he kind of pulls off a little bit at times, but just a, a really good outing. Uh, you know, on that first day, where where did you go that first day? Take us through some of the games that you saw, yeah, uh, and some of the players that you saw that really stood out. Well, I want to just just for ask you for a second. So you saw Aon, and I'd seen him, you know, in showcase action for us. Uh, you mentioned a, a nugget on him the other day that you like. You, you kind of tapped into his. Uh, you kind of had some of it on the mound, like there was some bulldog you saw, or what you you saw some you saw some intangibles you liked about Aon. Yeah, he has. He showed a lot of moxie, right? I mean, he fell behind on on consecutive hitters, um, and he, he fell behind pretty three zero on one, uh, and then I think it was two zero on the other. Uh, and the first one was the three zero hitter, and you know he battled back. It was about an eight pitch at bat, nah, maybe nine or ten pitch at bat, uh, and he ended up striking the guy out. And he showed a lot of emotion, a lot of intensity uh, in that moment. And then same situation happens again with the very next batter uh and, and you know he worked his way back and this one was more like an 11 pitch at bat um and, and he again struck the guy out and just the intensity kind of that passion that that you know that that it factor of of you know not giving into the situation and, and still uh being able to you know come through for his team was what really stood out to me See, that's what I like about the, the settings that we're talking about a tournament a pride yes we know Buchanan's good he knows he's good they know they're they know they're one of the better teams, if not just the state and the nation yet. Whoever who were they playing against in that game? It was Bullard. So they're playing against a, a smaller school that they are coming out to beat. But the intensity of it—it's not just a walk to the park. It's not like a summer league game in a or a summer tournament game somewhere in a facility facility in Arizona where there's where you're just you're just being a prospect, right? This is it was emotional. It was real. It was it was school team pride. So I like that stuff, and I got to see some of those things in the first game I saw on the 15th on that Monday morning was, uh, was Clovis West at Clovis West and they were playing Reedley and Reedley's a smaller school, um, from down there, there, you know, there's a junior college, Reedley, Reedley college is in, uh, is there. Um, uh, and they were taking on Clovis West and obviously in the stand, you can feel it right away. Clovis West has a long history of, of tremendous success. Uh, they're a hunted team by smaller schools. Um, they're a team expected to do well year in year out, no matter who's on their roster. Um, and, and Reedley comes out full of just, uh, just energy, uh, enthusiasm. They were playing cleaner. They were playing a little bit tougher. They were playing a little bit um, better. And, and the stands, it was interesting. And then to see Clovis West kind of rally uh, behind a couple of their better players that kind of kicked it into the gear late in the game. But I think it ended up being a 7-6 uh, Clovis West win. In the, in the They were the visitor in their home ballpark. Um, so they scored in the top. But there was some great things we saw in that game. And Carson Seamus is a uh, He's a senior Clovis West. He was expected to have a, a big year for uh, for the Golden Eagles, and he's had some arm uh, some arm struggles. So he, he's a starting shortstop generally, but he's been playing first base. Uh, the bat stood up though. He had 
he was an all-tournament selection as an outstanding player. Uh, I saw him bang the ball to left real, uh, real well, real calm, real handsy swing, tall, uh, easy pull power. Uh, swing happens super easy. He's projectable in that in that sense, and hopefully he can get his his arm. I think he had a, a slight surgery um, during the spring that hasn't hindered him from from playing, but it's hindered him from being able to do the things he needs to do uh, on the left side of the diamond. Uh, but he was he, he drove in a couple, uh, and then the out I saw him make was a, a curveball he banged the center. So he's a player that we had we had known of. He's uh, got an older brother. Um, he's a good player as well. So Carson, I think he you know he was part of the, of, of a rally. I'm not sure what his plans are for college at this point, but he's one that I know a lot of people are, are aware of. And if it's a junior college scenario to get, uh, to get healthy, we'll see, but uh, he's got a pretty high ceiling. And then uh, their left fielder, Michael Garabedian uh, is a smaller, right, right, compact, uh, twitchy, energetic. You know, he looks like a second baseman. He, he hits like a two hole leadoff guy with, with some speed and the pressure put on defense uh, line to line uh, approach as a hitter, a couple doubles, now, you had mentioned him to me. You had seen him previously, uh, whether it was last spring, I think, or maybe at a showcase. Les? Did yes. you see Gary? Yeah, well, I saw them last spring during the, the Easter Classic. So, okay, yeah. So he, yeah. He, looked, he, looked, he looked good, and you tipped me off on him to keep an eye on him, and uh, he was very good. So uh, to my knowledge, he's also an uncommitted player, uh, but aggressive, uh, accelerator on the bases, uh, uh, igniter, agitator type. Uh, I love watching those guys. And then... The last kind of the last kid I, I really uh, stuck my eyes on in that game from Clovis West was uh, they got a twenty twenty catcher uh, that our that our friend down there uh, Mike Brinkin uh, told us about a kid named Hayden Driggs. Uh, Hayden's uh, a strong offensive player. He's got a heavy barrel. The ball comes off his bat with life. Um, showed a dis- uh, disciplined eye at the plate. Uh, barrel contact was clean and strong and in all of his at bats. Um, hitting us some bad luck. Really good balance uh, defensively. He blocked well. Uh, he put in a ton of effort to do the blocking uh, over and over again, actually, in this game. I wrote the plus sign near block probably four to five times as he kept saving his pitcher uh, extra bases and saved a couple runs. Uh, he put a throw down on the bag in a warm-up at 199. Uh, he did another one around 2-1. Uh, just the offensive talent with high effort, good block ability, uh, solid receiver. Arm strength can obviously improve a little bit, as, as a lot of young guys can. That's one of the, the last big tools that can show up for a catcher. But he does all the technical things well and put in the work. So uh, in a class of 2020 catchers, we've seen a boatload of very good ones. Uh, Hayden Driggs uh, has got a chance to make a name for himself, even within that class. Yeah, that 2020 class with catchers, you're right. It, it is absolutely loaded. But we, uh, at the night game there on the first night, we were able to see a 2019 catcher who uh, has got a lot of draft attention from scouts, and, and rightfully so, because you know I saw them three times, and it's Darian Miller from Clovis, uh, and I saw them three times during the week. And this guy, all he does is hit. And it's funny because we're sitting there the last game, uh, the championship game, as they're facing Buhack Colony, and and that one ball that he hit over, kind of squirted over to the left field. You called it, right? I mean, it's like you watch this guy, and this guy is just a hitter, and you know exactly what he's trying to do, and more, and more importantly, what he's able to do. I mean, I saw him, I saw him go against Jerron Watts Brown, you know, and took an eighty-eight mile an hour fastball that was elevated a little bit, and he drove it and one hopped the right center field wall for 
what would have been a stand-up double. He tried to stretch it into a triple uh, and got beat, got thrown out by half a step. But, uh, I, I mean, this guy, the bat is real. The athleticism is crazy. Uh, and the arm is really, really good. It's like, you know, here, here's a guy that, you know, not a lot of people outside of the Central Valley know about. But here's a guy that's going to have a chance to have his name called, uh, you know, in just a few weeks here during the draft. You know, it's interesting. You just ran through the pitchers that he faced down there, and that's why the scouts were down there this weekend. And, and we saw a bunch of them actually. At, it, was at, it was at the Jesuit game that we saw a bunch of them there because they knew that Tonk Susak was on the bump, and they knew his philosophy is a, is a challenge to any hitter. So but you just went for, for daring in, the, in three of the four games he played. He faced Watts Brown, who was in the upper 80s, touching 90 right. You saw you saw Susak who got up to ninety two, and we saw him bank that we saw him bang a couple balls in that game, uh, one one to to left center field center field there, and then in the last game, in the championship, we saw him against Alex Kendrick throwing ninety ninety one. So uh, he was challenged uh, by as good a velocity as a high school player would see over the course of three days, uh, and he more than accepted the challenge. He rose to it and above it. So any scouts that were there and got to lay their eyes on on his. Uh, tools and then combine it with the performance and then add one layer on top of that to say that he faced legit prospects on the mound a good weekend for him a good yeah. week for him i should say good week. yeah no no question and he's a guy i mean you know we we obviously knew who he was we had heard of him we uh, i'm not sure if you'd seen him or not i did not i had not, see, no, I, I had not. I, I had not seen clovis play uh, uh, I, I did not see them play last year. Uh, pardon me. I did see them play last year, the, the opening game of the Classic, but I, I don't recall seeing Miller. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But the athleticism that he showed behind the plate, and, and playing, I go back to that one play that he made. You know, it was two, three feet into the left-handed batter's box where yeah. he just got oh, yeah. backhand yeah. And, and dove and, and, and landed on his feet. And it was just like, freakishly athletic and i remember talking to one of the assistant coaches from clovis the next day about it he says yeah man. He's like, he does that all the time he's just you know this freak athlete and i said you know don't tell me that the guy could dunk too and he's like i think he can <laughs> you know uh-huh. and it's just like i mean because he's he's probably uh you know six foot or hovering right around there oh, yeah. uh, because he's not he's not a huge guy but the athleticism bodes really, really well, I think, for him, you know, potentially making a move out from behind the plate, either to the infield or the outfield. But, you know, Darian Miller was a guy, uh, you know, obviously we, we, we saw Suzak. Uh, for me, that was exciting. I hadn't seen him uh, in a live game. Uh, you know, you have, obviously, but he was he was good. You talked about Watts Brown. I saw him. Uh, he was really good. What impressed me was his ability to maintain his velocity deep into his start. Uh, you know, that that was really good. Jake Sapien uh, is another guy that we that Ryan and I saw that was really, really good. I mean, the talent level at this thing was 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 incredibly high. Uh, and I think having three guys there for us to cover it uh, made it really easy to kind of handpick where we wanted to go and see all of this talent. Yeah, that was fun. It was fun having a back and forth. Hey, I'm seeing this guy. What do you guys think over here? Uh, in, in a cross-check scenario where we're all just, you know, sharing information with each other, excited about what the kids are doing. Um, and, and, you know, it's, and as we went through this thing, we had other games circled we were going to try and get to, uh, you know, one game that, uh, with a team that's really performed well up here uh, all spring is a smaller school, Oakmont, up in the Roseville area. And uh, they, they've got some players that we were excited to get out and see. And, and of course, you know, we got to see them against, against, uh, against Buchanan. Uh, you and I took that game in. And, 
there was some exciting stuff in that game. There was a player come to our pro case, uh, 2020 shortstop pitcher, uh, that has had a great spring up here and he's, uh, TJ Nichols and a player headed to Sacramento state. Uh, and you know, the word on TJ all along was really, really high level glove. Uh, the, I know the, the, the college team went on him early, uh, given his defensive chops and his, and his good arm, great feet, soft hands, instincts play extremely well. What I had been told all through the spring and I hadn't had a chance to, to pick them up in a game during the spring because other things came up, but, and I knew we would see him down there is that on the mound who he, he was good, but I was starting to hear some, Hey, it's getting up to 90. Hey, it's getting over 90. Hey, it's 91. Hey, I saw it. So we got to see him come in and, and, uh, in a two to two game, I think it was two to two game against Buchanan. And he gets up there and he's running some up there at 93. Uh, and it didn't look difficult to us. He had a, a breaking ball to go with. It was 77, 78. Um, I think he pitched some hard luck. I think the umpire was a little bit uh, challenged by the quality stuff he had to call, which is interesting because there's a lot of good pitchers down there. But uh, yeah, anyway, he, well, he, he, well, he was if, one of the ones. If you listen to the parents of the crowd, he was getting squeezed, no doubt. He was he was, he was was really good uh, playing. And I know that you and I had talked about him. And I saw him uh, the first day uh, against North from Bakersfield. Uh, over at Clovis North, and, and defensively, everything that you just described was spot on. I, I mean, the glove works, the arm works, the feet are are really good. You know, the bat was really good that day too. Uh, but then, you know, the the kind of the treat for both of us was to see him on the mound, and man, he was really good on the mound. Uh, I mean, he you're right, he he got squeezed a little bit, but boy, was he good. Yeah, yeah, he was, and kind of like in a lot of high school games, right? It makes a great pitch, it ends up as a as a pop up, you know, that, that ends up finding some grass out there, and that's just the way it goes sometimes for the hard throwers. And uh, of course, we also like their catcher. We saw their uh, Carson Blatnick is a twenty twenty catcher, left hander with uh, with what I thought about as uh, polished uh, and, and skilled defensive traits uh, behind the plate of uh, again in that twenty twenty class of catchers that I've seen. What do you think? Yeah, I liked him quite a bit, man. The left-handed bat really plays. Um, you know, he the good catch and throw uh, that you talked about that you had told me about. And I mean, the arm works. the The footwork is is a is average to above. I mean, everything works well for him. Uh, you know, the body could be a concern down the road, but uh, I think it's just kind of the way the 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 uniform fits on him or was just like wears on him because I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bad body cause he looks really strong, uh, particularly in the lower half. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, the, the uniform's not doing him any favors, but he is a, a really good player with that. Uh, not only the, the defense, the catch and throw is really good, as you mentioned, uh, but the left-handed bat, I mean, there's some sneaky power in there. Uh, you know, he's got some good bat speed uh, right now. And, and more importantly, he, he, he understands what he's looking for. I saw him facing a pitcher who couldn't have been more than, you know, uh, you know low, low 80s, upper 70s. And his approach didn't change, you know, mm-hmm. compared to what we saw a couple of days later uh, with upper 80s. Yep, yeah, yeah. And he had a tough matchup that game, right? He, he was against TJ Fontaine, who was throwing the ball well, uh, which is a challenge left on left. But I, I really, what I was impressed, even though he punched out a couple of times, I was impressed with his balance. I was impressed with how he stayed in there against, against Fontaine. Uh, he fouled a ball or two back. Uh, you know, he, he was on the fastballs he missed. He might have expanded a little bit on some on some fastballs that kind of rode up and in on him, but he was on balance. He was on time. 
Uh, he might have been a little over aggressive, but I'd rather find a player that's a little over aggressive than under aggressive as as a junior in high school. So even even in punching out against a quality pitcher, uh, nothing you know nothing there to sneeze at. He was he, he was good. He was every bit of a prospect, and he'll uh, he'll have some attention next spring from uh, I would think from the major league guys. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. If 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 nothing else on the bat alone. So so let's shift gears a little bit, Blaine. Let's talk about one guy, one guy okay. that you hadn't seen that maybe you had heard of or maybe you hadn't heard of but who's the one guy that while you're driving home back north you kept thinking man that kid really stood out to me uh tell us who he is and, and why and then i'll give you mine had seen or hadn't seen doesn't really matter uh, it doesn't really matter because if you had seen, let's just put the caveat that you hadn't seen him maybe this season or since the summer. Well, hopefully I don't steal your guy, and it's possible that I do, but uh, I, I, I'm going to cheat here. Um, I saw a player that last year I took in, because I wasn't at the Erico games, I took in the PDP workout in July, and right-handed pitcher, uh, and you might even mutter right now, uh, Alex Kendrick, we'd already mentioned him. Um, just blew me away. Uh, senior, he's headed to Fresno State. You know what I saw, and I liked. And I know in our, our reports and our rankings, I've I've kind of had him and 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 Josh White of Monta Vista compared to each other. You know, not big right-handers, but both have good playable stuff, command, moxie, feel. So I'm an old pitching coach. Well, not old yet, but my son might say something different. But I'm a pitching guy, and watching him for an entire game in a championship game. And, and we, I think we gained some appreciation for the Clovis high uh, uh, lineup as we saw that tournament unfold um, and watching him stay with a fastball, almost a hundred percent exclusively for seven innings and riding the pitch he knew was good enough, not messing around with off speed pitches that weren't necessary, not just trying to show them just to let somebody know he had them uh, just foot laser focused, big time energy, but also super calm and relaxed and just letting the fastball live in all quadrants uh, in a championship game where his team is coming out, you know, getting an opportunity to be in that game based upon their their, their run differential and all the, and the qualifications they had to be there. But I, I just dig watching kids use the fastball at the high school level. I, I so very rarely see guys just use the darn fastball when they got a good one. It's always, you know, too many sliders, uh, too many change-ups. Why are we messing around with that pitch? He's facing high school hitters. And just to watch a talented kid, and he's talented because we saw him at 91 in the seventh inning. We saw him bump 92 in the fifth. To watch him live with that pitch and just embrace that pitch, I, I had a blast watching it. You talked about uh, him and how good he was, uh, and he was he was outstanding in that championship game. And you're right; he's not a big guy. He, he's kind of on the smaller side, right? And you know, he came up and he talked to us a little bit after the game there, but. Boy, the stuff that he showed, the command of the fastball, and you're right. I mean, he worked it to every spot of the zone, right? I mean, it yep. didn't matter if it was up, down, in, out. I mean, he absolutely had that thing dialed in. And and you're right. It, it was fun to watch because it, I like the note that you made there. We really, really gained an appreciation for that Clovis lineup uh, throughout the week because that's a, that's a pretty darn good lineup, you know, and it starts with that one, two, three with – you know Miller and Beal at the top. I mean that that's a yeah. that's a tough way to start, man. Um, and and he went through that lineup and was just really really impressive for me. Blaine, I, I was kind of torn between two guys, uh, but I'm going to stick with uh, uh, Kendrick's teammate, and that's Jake Sapien. 
the yeah. 2021 uh, infielder, right-handed pitcher. Uh, Ryan and I had a chance to see him pitch, and he was, uh, I mean, he was lights out. He threw a five-inning uh, no-hitter. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I, I mean, he threw probably 68 pitches in this. He, he completely overmatched uh, the team that he was facing. Uh, but he, he was a guy that was 85, 87, uh, really good feel for an off-speed pitch. But then you see him at the plate, and you're just kind of like, man, this kid is a hitter too, not just a pitcher. Was really good at the plate, shows patience at the plate, uh, really good pitch selection. Uh, I like the way he carries himself. He carries himself kind of like a veteran player already, despite only being a sophomore. Um, you know, So for me, that was a guy that I had seen last year at this tournament uh, and, in fact, wrote him up a little bit in one of those notebooks from last year uh, and was pretty good. Uh, but he is he has progressed to the point now where, uh, you know, we're talking high-level Pac-12 schools are in there uh, looking yep. at him as a prospect. So uh, those are the two guys that, that stood out to Blaine and I at uh, the Fresno Easter Classic. Um, you know, there, there's countless other, right? I mean, I, yeah. the, guy, the, the, other, the other guy I was torn with was, was uh, Mikey Bell, who uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on that guy. <laughs> You're all in like Luke Williams all in? Well, not all the way Luke Williams all in because, I mean, come on, Luke Williams for me, you know, that guy. Uh, you know, you, yeah. meant, you mentioned a player that I hadn't seen before, and, and so I guess I'll go a, a bonus pick here. Was, you mentioned him for a second, Beal. Uh, Noah Beal, the junior right-hander, uh, also uh, infielder as well for them when he's not pitching. Uh, left-handed hitter, but on the bump, he pitched against Jesuit. And the stuff was, it's fine. I mean, he's, he's opposite Tonko Susak, who's touching 92 and, and up at 90. But Noah was pitching that night. I mean, three pitches anytime he wanted. He got up to 87, maybe a sniff of 88, uh, if I can re- remember correctly. But just kind of cruising 85, 86. Uh, breaking ball when he needed change up what he needed total composure uh and then offensively in a couple games uh good left-handed bat good athlete i, I was really excited to see him and, and just start to ponder because he's a he's a kind of lean slightly built guy um and as he gets some physicality and and strength through the come years uh what he might look like whether it's uh, on the mound uh, exclusively or uh just continue to play you know both sides of it as a high school player and then beyond um in the college level so he was uh He's a name that we have been told by Coach Patrick uh, at Clovis, and, and I hadn't seen him with my own uh, eyes live, but I really I was impressed with him as well. I was impressed with just how physical he looks compared to when I saw him last year. Uh, you know, which was interesting. Yeah, you made that point to him, like, really? That's physical? He goes, well, compared to last year. Yeah, compared to last year, he was he was all he was all legs and arms and 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 really skinny. Uh, now it looks like you know there's you can see some strength in the shoulders and a little bit in the back there and and, and in the lower half for him for sure. But yeah, he he was he was um, he was really good in that first game there against um, Tonko and, and Jesuit for sure. Uh, so Blaine, what 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 do you got going this week? Uh, where are we at for the playoffs up in your area? How far away are we? Uh, what, what's going? What's coming down the pipe for you? There's still a few weeks away. Uh, the, we're starting to get those those conferences tightening up. Uh, there's a game on my schedule today. If I can, if I can get out, I, I got an idea. Maybe sniff, sneaking out, seeing Jesuit against Franklin. Uh, we've been a little bummed about the Jesuit bats. I just haven't played very well this year. Um, so I'm trying to run down some other teams uh, that have kind of eluded us as as the schedule hasn't allowed us to lay eyes on certain teams like a Heritage out in the East Bay who's quietly started to gain some momentum. So I'm trying to. Uh, 
pluck off those schools as I ponder this each schedule from, and again, I'm pondering from, from Sacramento to the East Bay to the, to the North Bay and, uh, and even a little further South. So haven't quite settled on it, but there are, there are some battles that are starting to heat up. Uh, the, the WCL, which Ryan's been covering great is starting to, uh, starting to work its way into some, uh, some clear picture. So, but it's, it's that Delta league out there. And then the kind of sack Joaquin playoffs that I've kind of got my eye on, because I think, I think if we think of the strength of Northern California here outside of, um, outside of the WCL or obviously we've seen De La Salle and the East Bay Athletic League has been, uh, has been very strong. I, I'm kind of got my eye on uh, what's happening out there in the Sac Joaquin section with, um, with, with, with Franklin, uh, with, with, uh, uh, Davis has started to play great. So, uh, there are some schools out there that uh, I think are going to have, uh, have a hell of a playoff. So that's kind of where my focus is right now. Good deal. Well, we are in the final week of the season here in the southern section, L.A. section. So we'll be talking about the postseason here next week. And then San Diego is not too far behind uh, you know, with, with their postseason. So we are quickly, quickly approaching the end of the regular season. So then we get to shift gears to our summer schedule, which we'll break down here in coming episodes of the podcast but Blaine I want to thank you again for the uh, awesome time in Fresno and then thanks again for uh, hopping on here and joining us yeah well, my pleasure good stuff Les alright Blaine we'll talk real soon that's going to do it for the show I want to thank all of our guests today and until next time we will see you at the yard 